The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Again, thank you for being with us this morning. So appreciate the, the men and women who have worked so hard to get this together so we can actually gather. Yeah, amen. That's a wonderful thing. Thank you all for what you've done and the offers to help. And then thank you for, again, coming today, understanding the importance of gathering together as believers in Christ. And so this morning, uh, believe it or not, we, we are starting a brand new series. We just finished Hebrews after about three or four years. And now we will begin the, the most popular and probably most famous book of the Old Testament, Habakkuk. And I know that you're just thrilled by that. You might not even know where it's at, but I promise you it is in the Old Testament. And uh, the book of Habakkuk has been on my mind for several months now. And I, and I hope that you, with me, will, will find just the glory and the truth and the majesty of this small prophetic book in the Old Testament. And so I believe it's providential we find ourselves here this morning out in the parking lot looking at the book of Habakkuk. Author Gary Smith said this of the book of Habakkuk. It is a rare look at the private diary of a confused preacher. And I think that's a wonderful title for this book, to, to peer into the private diary of a man who's preaching who doesn't understand what's happening in the world around him. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is give us some background to, to gather our bearings about this book. And then just to tackle really the first four verses of the text this morning. Uh, many of you know the history of Israel, the northern kingdom and southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was bad, and the southern kingdom was not as bad. They had some good godly kings, and one of those kings was Josiah. Josiah was a godly king who loved the law of the Lord and loved his Lord. He reigned from about 640 B.C., to about 609 BC. And under his reign, uh, we would call it a national revival. There was a number of religious reforms that were put in place. There were practices that were discarded. There were things that were added. And by and large, the nation at the time was following in the steps of Yahweh. And towards the end of his reign, a new empire was making its way in the world. And it was gaining much influence in this very region. The new empire was Babylon, or the Chaldeans. And uh, they had just won a major battle against the Egyptians in 605 at Carchemish. And now they were, they were just taking nation after nation. And their eyes were set now on the kingdom of Judah. You need to know this and remember this as we work our way through this book, that the Babylonians were a particularly cruel people. They had a habit of cutting off feet, lips, and noses. They would blind people, they would gut people, and they would rip the hearts out of people. Needless to say, in our Western culture, we can't even wrap our minds about that type of cruelty, but this is how they treated their enemies. They were a terrifying force, a terrifying enemy. And this is now the empire that is circling around Judah. 
Josiah eventually was replaced by his son Jehoiakim. And, and everything that Josiah was as far as being a godly king and godly man, Jehoiakim was not. He was the complete opposite of that. The truth is, Scripture reveals, as, long, as well as rabbinical teaching, that Jehoiakim was a godless tyrant who committed atrocities against his own people. And, and what he did was horrific. So, so everything that Josiah had accomplished, now under the reign of this king, Jehoiakim, the moral fabric of the nation had just unraveled. It was terrible. Uh, there was wickedness abounding, gross immorality, violence, murder, injustice. It was everywhere. And this is the setting that Habakkuk finds himself in. This is the time that he is living. We don't know much about him. We don't know who his parents were. We don't know what town he was from. All we know is that he's a prophet. A prophet with an oracle, a message, and he calls it a burden. Something that's heavy to bear. And this is his burden. Walt Kaiser, Old Testament scholar, says this, that our world as Christians need to be familiar with this small book. Within these short three chapters, this book will address pastoral concerns. And that's what we'll deal with this, this morning. Habakkuk will ask questions like, Oh Lord, how long? Oh God, why? Lord, can't you hear? Can't you see? Why is this happening in my life? So he'll deal with pastoral concerns. He will also nail theology. If you're not familiar with this book, I guarantee you, you're familiar with the verse out of this book in chapter 2, verse 4. It says this, the just shall live by faith. And, and that one verse boils down all the laws of Judaism, and it became central to the teachings of the Apostle Paul. In Romans chapter 1, verse 17, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, Paul uses that phrase, the just shall live by faith, to talk about the justification of God's people. It's central to his teaching and preaching. And the book of Hebrews, if Paul did not write that book, mentions the same thing in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. And that small little phrase, the just shall live by faith, in the 16th century shook all of Europe and eventually the world through the works of Martin Luther and the Reformers as they saw the great truth of that verse. This book will also deal with theodicy, the problem of squaring the goodness and justice and love of God with the presence of what seems to be unbridled evil and wickedness among men and nations. A question that everyone asks, if God is good, why is there evil? Why do these things continue? And Habakkuk will address that very issue. And then finally, this book will address our spiritual life. How it is that God's people, not only in Habakkuk's day, but in our day, can look around at the things that we counted on, the things we focused on, the things that we, were, we believed were fixed and certain, and then to find out that they're gone, completely gone. How is it that Habakkuk, and how is it that we as Christians can still rejoice when our world has turn, been turned upside down? This is the book of Habakkuk. And I believe with all my heart as we study this book, it will change our perspective on where we live, 
and where we find ourselves today. So, quickly, let me give you a simple, simple outline that, that anyone will remember. There's only three chapters. Chapters 1 and 2 contain two complaints by the prophet Habakkuk and two responses by God. You'll see this morning that Habakkuk looks around at the world in which he lives. He sees the injustice, the violence, the wickedness, the mistreatment, the moral decay, the stealing, everything you can think of. He sees it, and he's perplexed by it, so he asks God, why, how long, God? And twice, God will answer him. He'll first ask about his own people and their wickedness, and then he'll ask why it is you're taking wicked people and judging your people who are more righteous, although they're wicked, than they are. So twice he will complain, and twice God will answer him. And then in chapter 3, it's just simply the prayer of Habakkuk. He will pray and give his final response. And that's it. Three chapters. The first two, two complaints, two answers, two. And then finally his prayer and final message. So Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 this morning. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord. How long shall I cry, and you will not hear? Even cry out unto thee, violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are they that raise up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slack. The judgment never goes forth. For the wicked compasses the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceeds. And as Habakkuk looks around him, he sees the ungodliness of his culture, the moral decay of his society, and he says, Lord, how long and why? Certainly this morning, we can connect with those statements. Have you ever asked the question, how long, Lord? How long for COVID? I've asked that once or twice over the last two years. How long with the pain? How long with the singleness? How long with loneliness? How long with frustration? How long with mistreatment? How long with injustice? How long with violence? How long with the evil we see everywhere? Oh, Lord, how long? Certainly, we have been here. And for many of us, we are here. Oh, Lord, how long? And then he says, why? Have you ever wondered why? Why me? Why them? Why now? Why brokenness? Why cancer? Why not healing? Why no baby to hold? Oh God, why? This is the cry of Habakkuk, and this is the cry of God's people who live in a broken and fallen world. And this is why you and I, along with Habakkuk, are welcomed and invited into lament. Lament. That's what he's doing. He's lamenting as he opens 
this burden. He's crying out each of our stories, each of them, begin with tears. If you're in this parking lot, your story began with tears. You went from a warm, comfortable, safe environment in your mother's womb to be squeezed and pushed and grabbed, to hear the rhythmic heartbeat of a mom, to the loud voices and a cold reality of the real world. And your first response was tears. And if not, someone smacked you on the bum and created tears. If you're like me, I had a chance to see three of our four sons born, and for every one of them, I wept. And now as a grandparent, I weep for all of them. I didn't even give birth to the children, but I wept. We begin with tears. To cry is human. But when the Bible speaks of lament, there's more happening than just crying. Crying is human. Lament is biblical. It is honest. It is redemptive. Mark uh, Vogop, hard name to pronounce, but he wrote a great book, Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy. Speaking of lament, it was a great help to me personally, to our widows as well as we went through the book, Speaking of Lament. And here's what he said. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart, wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promises of God. As we open up the book of Habakkuk this morning, and we all view our own lives where we have asked or are asking, God, how long in this pain, the suffering, the questions, the whys, he leads us to lament, honest cries of a hurting heart, wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promises of God. This is Habakkuk. And this is what I'm inviting you into this morning. Understand that lament itself is an act of faith. The reason Habakkuk cries out in his confusion, in his pain, in his struggling, in his suffering, is because he does believe in the God of heaven. He's crying out to him. And this morning, in our pain, in our confusion, in our questions, we too cry out in faith because we know the world is broken. We know that God is powerful. We know that he will be faithful. And so God invites his people to lament in faith to cry out to him. And by the way, this is so biblical, you find it throughout scripture. I'm sure you know that one-third of the Psalms, the hymn book of the nation of Israel, one-third of those Psalms are written in the minor key, which is lament. And if you just casually went through the Psalms, Psalms 3, 4, 5, 7, 10, 13, 17, 22, 24, 25, uh, 40, 42, 54, 55, 56, 57, 120, 142. They are psalms of lament where the psalmists are crying out to God in faith, giving voice to their strong emotions because of their suffering. And this is what we are to do. We are to wrestle through lament. And my brother and sister this morning, I submit to you that we must wrestle through. Because if we don't, 
two things will happen. Number one, if we, if we come up against this world and we find pain and suffering and questions and confusion and don't turn to God in faith to cry out, we will first be angry. We'll be angry at God. Because we know the whys and the how comes and how longs. We live in an angry world today, do we not? Everyone's angry. Everywhere, they're angry. We can't have common conversations anymore or decent conversations because everyone is angry with everyone. But for the believer this morning, this should not be the case. In our confusion, in our uncertainty, in our pain and our suffering, we are not to be angry at God. We are to turn in faith toward Him. Because this anger is a self-made prison of despair and bitterness. And believer, that is not God's plan for you. In this fallen, broken world of how longs and whys, we are to turn in faith to our God and not become angry. There are Christians today, and maybe it's you. Your life is not turned out the way you thought it should. And so you're angry and you're angry at God, and you're angry with everyone who comes in contact with you. My brother or sister this morning, how in the world are we different from everyone around us if when trouble comes, we don't turn by faith and cry out to him? We must do this. We must wrestle through. We will be angry or we will avoid. And all the turmoil and in, in, turmoil within will be pushed down and stuffed down and will deny and pretend like everything is okay. It's all sunshine and lollipops. It's not. Not in a fallen world. And to deny and to avoid dries us up spiritually. And as an under-shepherd, our prayers for you and for me is that that would not be the case. We must walk through our questions and our sufferings and we do that by faith turning to God in our doubts, in our sorrow, in our pain, and in our despair. That's what Habakkuk did. He begins to cry out, Oh God, in faith, he turns to him. But there's a second thing he does. He then brings his complaint. You heard him. Oh God, how long? How long will I cry? How long will I beg? How long will I plead? How long will I pray? And you seem like you don't hear, you don't care, you're not listening. Wicked is prevailing and spreading. And it seems like you're oblivious. This is his complaint. And you might say, I would never, ever say that to God. But my brother and sister, he's God. And whether you say it out loud or not, it's in here. The great Scottish pastor of the 1800s, Alexander McLaren, said this, Doubts are better put into plain speech than lying diffused and darkened like poisonous mist in the heart. And so in our doubts, in our questions, in our confusion, we don't just keep it there and let it lay dormant within our hearts. It creates a poisonous mist within us. And I've seen it, and i felt it, and you've experienced this too. We must make it plain, plain speech. In this area, silence is not our friend. 
God invites his people in their brokenness, in their pain, in their confusion, in their suffering, to turn to him and to bring their complaints. God has big shoulders. He can handle it. He can deal with it. And not only that, but he invites all of us to turn to him and with our complaints and our questions and our concerns to come before him. Understand that this complaining is not to vent and to stay there and to continually be angry over and over again, to just scream at God day after day. It's not to do that, to vent and to stay. It is designed to express our hurt and our pain and then move forward. My brother and sister, in this parking lot and, and, and in our church, there are people who have experienced horrific tragedy, pain, and suffering. And there are some who never move. They never, they're bitter, they're angry, they're stuck. And yet others who have been through the same or worse have expressed their grief, they've turned to God, they've complained, expressed. Why? Because they knew they could not stay there. They had to move forward. God's plan, God's design, and God's way. And that's what this complaining is, to express honestly. No pretending, no faking, no plastic cheesy smile, but to come to God and to bring our complaint in order that we can move on. So that's what Habakkuk has done. That's what we are to do. In faith, we turn to God, we bring our complaints, and then we ask. We ask. This morning, in our grief, in our confusion, in our questions, in our pain, in our sorrow, in our loss, in our struggles, we come to God and we ask. And not just ask, but we ask in accordance to his character. To his character. What Habakkuk knows as his world literally falls apart, and as you read the end of the book, he literally will lose everything. But what he knows is the character of God. And through the struggle and through the doubt and through the turning and through the questions, he then will begin to ask God for help, for direction based on the character of God. I think it's chapter 3, verse 2 or so, where Habakkuk says this, understanding what's coming and the judgment that will fall, he says to God, in wrath, remember mercy. And in that statement, we might just read over that, but there are two great theological truths about the character of God. Number one, God is just. And Habakkuk knows it. He knows that his society and his culture has turned their back on God, and they deserve judgment. He knows that. That's why he says, in wrath, we deserve this. But yet, in wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk also knows that the God he serves is a God who loves to dispense mercy to those who humble themselves and come before him. And so, we ask in accordance to his character. Oh God, the God of all help, help me. Oh Father, the Father of all comfort, comfort me. Oh God, the God of mercy, in my despair, in my mess, in my self-made problem, show mercy. 
Oh God, I've been hurt, I've been maligned, I've been lied about. Oh God, the God of justice, bring forth justice. Oh God, the one who teaches, teach me to see your plan and your program. Oh God of truth, let truth prevail. Oh God, show yourself glorious that Christ may be exalted in my despair. And what happens when we do this is, we move from the why to the who. From the why to the who. God becomes more and more prominent in our eyes. And my dear beloved brother and sister this morning, this must happen. We must understand as we turn to him, as we bring these complaints, and then begin to ask in accordance with his character, something happens that my eyes and my heart now begin to focus to the God that I know and who he is. I was studying this portion of scripture this week, and, and I thought just as Habakkuk cried out about what he knew about God. There's a verse in Romans chapter 8 that I think speaks to the same point. Paul says this in verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We come to difficulties in our life with struggles and confusion and heartache and grief. We ask the how longs and the whys, and sometimes we start to think, oh God, do you even care? Oh God, do you even love me? And God's people at times ask those very questions. But let me remind you of the character of God that he who spared not his own son for you. Whenever we doubt in our situation, if God cares, if he loves, if he thinks about me, my brother and sister, take your eyes to Calvary. It is there that he said forever, I love you. I love you so much that I'm willing to come and, and, and take on flesh and to walk your side and to breathe your air and the wrath that you deserve, that I deserve. God the Son bore it all on the cross. And as we ran our hellbound race indifferent to him and what he's done, he stepped into our place and died for us. This is the gospel of Christ. This is the character of our God. And this is what we must go back to time and time again. Oh, brother and sister, do not weary of hearing the gospel. The gospel is our hope, and the gospel is our answer. And so we ask in accordance to his character, knowing who he is, and he becomes more and more prominent. It anchors our soul in God and what he has done for us. And finally, this morning, Habakkuk, as he looked around and saw the mess of his world, the mess of his circumstance, and what was coming for certain, in faith turned to God, he brought his complaints, he then asked God to help in accordance to God's character, and now it turns to trust and praise. He expresses trust and praise with God. 